Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Well, that was a very emotional hour of radio we just brought you here on 6.30, Ched. The special documentary, One Year Later, the story of the Humboldt Broncos. It is a story we will remember forever that will stay with us as Canadians forever. And it has been one year tomorrow since that awful bus crash. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 6.30, Ched. And I'm pleased to welcome to the show, and I really appreciate him taking time for us tonight, Kevin Geringer, who uh, was the president of the Humboldt Broncos uh, when that uh, awful crash happened last year, and he remains with the team as a board member. Kevin, thanks for joining us on 6.30, Chad. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, we're, uh, of course, just anticipating our um, tomorrow, of course, and the time that we'll have as an organization, of course, as families to come together and and uh, be be together during a during obviously the time when the tragedy occurred. Yeah, well, the memorial vigil uh, tomorrow, and it's going to be an emotional day. And I, I, Kevin, I, I can't imagine what you and and uh, the town of Humboldt and, and so many people have, have been through in, in the past year. H- have you just been able to reflect on on everything, the, the crash, the, the reaction, getting the team back out onto the ice? Uh, I, I mean, I, I imagine there's been a, a lot of tears along the way and, and maybe a lot of... Um, Maybe it's been humbling as well, just with all the all the people that that reached out in various ways to try to connect with the community. It, I, yeah, absolutely. It has been a very difficult time, of course, for so many um, because we had such. I mean, these the people we've lost were such incredible people. I mean, I I was telling a, a story that um, where I came home after a major snowstorm, right in the middle of the the playoffs actually and I remember my driveway and my sidewalk being shoveled and then I recalled it that in fact Darcy had decided no practice today we're going out there's a major snowstorm we're going to go on as Broncos go and help the community deal with the snow and I mean that's the type of team that he had built the character that he had with all um, with all the players and and of course why it's so hard to deal with the loss that we've that we've had to deal with and then, i mean this whole year has been of course very difficult for so many and i think about the families and and everyone who's been impacted so significantly and your heart goes out to those people but uh, through all of it i think um i i reflect on what's happened you know in response to uh this tragedy and i and just like you were saying i think it's amazing when you think about humanity and what humanity has done in the response to the track um, that, you know, the fact that we have so many people who are organ donors, that so many people have given blood, that so many people have donated 
um, finances and those kinds of things. I was telling the story about a little girl who, who I think it was her grandfather, but anyway, came up to me and gave me a little baggie with everything that was in her piggy bank. And, and she had said, give this to Mr. Geringer. I want it to go to the Broncos. You know, a little thing like that. And yet the big the big part of that is just that the thoughts and, and prayers and, and uh, whether it was the arts or whatever it was, people just wanted to try and, and help in some way. And, and certainly it, it's a testament to humanity, that for sure. Well, I wanted to ask you about that, Kevin. You mentioned the the little girl with her money out of the the piggy bank, and when I was just you know prepping to to talk to you tonight, I was just going over some stuff. And is is that right? Fourteen point six million dollars in the Broncos Memorial Fund. That is amazing. Well, the uh, yeah. So the the <clears throat> the, the GoFundMe um, got to fifteen point one seven two million, and then. Uh, and it was that money that we then transferred into uh, the Humble Bronco Memorial Fund that we were able to then utilize um, or distribute, essentially, all of it plus interest, uh, every nickel basically back to the families, which was the intent all along that Sylvie Kellington had. So, yeah, that was incredible. And, I mean, that was from 140,000 people or so, I think, from all across the globe. So it just, again, like you, you talk about it like that, and it's like it's an incredible sum of money that, and 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 uh, you know nobody asked for it or anything like that. I know Sylvie put it out that way, but in the end, um, that's how people responded, or they responded in a note, or a or a hug, or a handshake, or or just in a thought and a prayer. And you know, all of those things were really important. Kevin Geringer joining us on Inside Sports. He uh, remains a board member and alternate governor for the Humboldt Broncos. He is a former president of the team. He was uh, a year ago at the time of the uh, of the bus crash. Kevin, tell me a little bit about the moment in the fall when the team played a game when there were there was a, a Humboldt Broncos team and, and seeing that that puck drop. And, uh, you know, young men wearing that uniform and competing again for the city. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, it was uh, it was extremely emotional, I think, for so many people. And many of our families had come back um, and were part of that. Of course, we had the tribute after and that sort of thing. So it was about having hockey back in Humboldt, which was a wonderful thing, of course. And to see Brayden and Derek uh, part of that was just, I mean, they're such inspirations, like, like all... 29 were uh, the 16 who passed away were and the other 13 who are still with us or they're, they're every one of them are just such inspirations and to have them on the ice with us at that time was was very powerful um but again a very emotional because i think in so many ways that it was you had to come to grips with the fact that those who were part of this organization and such an important part and given back to our kids as the director of education here in this in in this area um, you know, these people were in our schools reading to our kids. They were inspirations for our kids and in life. That's why they were so, you know, it was so hard on so many people. They were, they, they were such a big part of our community. So to have the, to have lost that was difficult. To have it back was, was certainly very positive, but it wasn't without great emotion, of course, as you're working through the challenges that, uh, that come with, um, with loss of of that magnitude or or any magnitude i mean you know these were amazing people and and the fact that uh, we have 13 of of our broncos with us today is is wonderful and i you know we'll never stop thinking about uh, morgan and and lane i mean morgan spent i think they said 333 days in the hospital 
and uh, almost a year. And uh, Lane was there for about six months, and and of course Jacob and Ryan. I mean, all these people are inspirations. Um, Xavier, I, I I should say all thirteen of them naturally, and I name them all. But the fact is, they were they are inspirations to all of us and uh, to a, to the world in so many ways. And and so um, uh, they're just part of that amazing twenty nine that will forever be that way. Of course, for all of us. Well, well said, and, and I love how you told the story about reading in schools, and, and I think maybe I'll just wrap up there, Kevin, because, you know, sports are, are a, a great thing because we recognize it as, as something that is, uh, you know, entertaining. We, we watch sports, we play sports, you know, sometimes for an escape or, uh, you know, as, as entertainment, but sports teams can become synonymous with their communities with their cities whether you want to go from the new york yankees to the edmonton oilers to to the humble broncos and i, I guess i would just like a comment for from you to to close here that um just what the broncos mean to to Humboldt, uh, you know, over the years since this awful tragedy and, and how you see them moving forward well I guess you have to remember that the Humboldt Broncos organization, and certainly we all know this, is that they're one of the most storied franchises in, in SJHL history, one of the most successful. Um, they've won over a fifth of the of the SJHL championships. Um, they've won two national championships. Uh, so that's who the Humboldt Broncos uh, have been in the past, and that's who they always will be. Uh, the fact that we had... Um, these young people who have um, given back in the ways that they do, and that, and it was not atypical of what happened again this year in so many ways, but these people, Darcy Hogan, his leadership, and Mark Cross, and Dana Bronze, and everyone who was part of that, um, that whole uh, 29, these, the fact is that these were for so many of our young people, and for so many who are in this community that couldn't wait for a Bronco game because it, it took them out of the cold and into the, the wonder of the Elder Peterson Arena and to watch their beloved Broncos. Um, these, this was the New York Yankees, or I'd like to say the Pittsburgh Pirates, if that's okay. But, but um, this was the Edmonton Oilers for our community. That's who they are, and that's what uh, we looked up to. The, we look up to them because they're incredible people, and, uh, uh, you know, they'll be forever remembered, and we'll be uh, forever treasuring our 1718 Broncos and, and uh, all 29 people, of course, um, as we continue to move forward uh, in this community to ensure that uh, the humble Broncos uh, continue the strong traditions that uh, Darcy and, and those before him um, had, uh, had, had really established. Kevin, such a terrible tragedy. You've been an incredible representative of your community and your hockey team through all this. Thank you so much for joining us on Inside Sports. My heart is with you and everybody at the vigil tomorrow afternoon. Thank you very much. You guys, all the best to you there as well. That is Kevin Geringer checking in tonight, former president of the Humboldt Broncos, that memorial vigil tomorrow at 4. It will be here on 630 Ched and the outstanding documentary you uh, just heard from 5 to 6 here on Ched.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We'll have an encore presentation tomorrow at 3, one year later, the story of the Humboldt Broncos. This is Inside Sports. Okay, appreciate you tuning in tonight. It is 621. Oilers and Flames tomorrow here on 630, Chad. Face-off show will be at 6.30. The game will start at 8. Here's what's going on in the NHL tonight. The Rangers lead the Blue Jackets 1-0 halfway through the second period. Columbus clinches with a win. The Montreal Canadiens stay alive if the Rangers win. Stars and Blackhawks at 6.30, Kings and Ducks later on tonight. The Blue Jays lead Cleveland 2-1 in the fifth. The Raptors and the Hornets tied at 69. That is four minutes into the third quarter. WHL playoffs later on tonight. We will have Saskatoon in PA. Victoria going up against Vancouver. AJHL playoffs later on tonight. Spruce Grove and Sherwood Park in the park at 7 o'clock. It is tied 2-2 in the series. Okotoks and Brooks in the south final. Brooks up three games to one in that series. Oil Kings tomorrow at 7 at Rogers Place against the Calgary Hitman. Hitman General Manager Jeff Chanelth will join us later on on the show. And of course, a big story for your Oilers tomorrow. Meyer picked off by Drysaddle. It's a shorthanded breakaway left to right. Backhander score! Leon Drysaddle with his 48th of the year. McDavid muscled him off the puck, took it into the zone, found an opening. Benning dishes off. Drysaddle shoots and scores! Three-way passing play and Drysaddle finishes for his 49th. His 49th. Can he get to 50. Dreisaitl needs one tomorrow. Yeah, it's it's really special, obviously. Um, you know, milestones are always uh, a special thing. Um, but like I said, um, you know, I don't want to put, put too much pressure on this. Uh, you know, if it stays at 49, you know, I'll be, I'll be happy with that. Um, you know, I'm not going to force myself to, um, yeah, you, you know, to... To do things that, that that I'm not good at, just just to get to 50. Obviously, I'm going to do whatever I can to get to that milestone. But um, if it doesn't happen, then um, yeah, you know that's that's fine as well. Okay, well, I, I suppose it'll have to be fine. Though I'm pretty sure he would like to get to 50. His teammates certainly want him to get to 50. If you watched the game last night, shall we say a concerted and deliberate effort? to get Leon Dreisaitl the puck, especially on the power play third period when he already had two goals. Dreisaitl had 12 shot attempts in the game tonight, or in the game last night, seven shots on goal uh, and five others that were either blocked or hit the net. And he was asked today about having his teammates continuously looking for him. Yeah, it's hard for me. It's it's really hard for me um, right now, especially I've never really been in a situation like this. So... Um, it's not not the easiest, but um, you know, obviously, I, I I like looking for the pass more than anything. But um, you know, playing with Connor, he's obviously uh, um, 
yeah, you know, he does it all and he's so good at passing the puck. So sometimes it's, it's just a matter of getting open and, and finding open space for him. All right. Well, that will be a storyline tomorrow. It will be fun to have a battle of Alberta to finish off the season. Obviously, in the standings, it doesn't really mean anything for either team. But hopefully, an entertaining game. It'll be fun to see Leon get 50. Now, that one clip, Leon said, I'm, I'm fine with 49. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's the right thing to say. I think he would prefer to have 50. And speaking of guys who got to 49 but not 50, well, our very own Rob Brown, who in 88-89 got to 49 in the final game of the season. He told the story last night on Overtime Open Line. Yeah, I, mean, I, I hit a crossbar in the first period. I, I scored a goal. It's funny, I... I I don't remember very many goals in my in my career, but I scored in the second period. It was on a wrist shot. I went over Hextall's glove. And then this it was a weird game. It, we couldn't move up or down in the standings as the Penguins. It's our last game of the season. The Philadelphia Flyers could actually move up in the standings. So we went to overtime, and Philadelphia pulled their goalie in overtime, and I was on the ice. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to score my 50th. Mario's going to go through the entire team, <laughs> pass me the puck for an empty net. And just before they dropped the puck, the coach, Gino, Gino Briaco, pulled me off the ice. And Mario kind of skid towards the bench. Go, Gino, he's got, he's got 49. And Ubi says, nope, this is a team sport. We're not, we're not into individuals. Uh, Dan Quinn went out for me, and he said, hey, I'm going to come off as soon as I can. Be ready. I'm going to come off. But Mario off the face off went, and just like I knew he would, went through the entire team. And instead of setting me up for the empty net goal, he put it in the net. And that was Mario's 85th goal of the season. It could have been 84 for Mario and 50 for Rob Brown. It said it's 85-49. And that is why Rob Brown does not have many good things to say about his former coach, Gene Ubriaco. One guy who did hit 50, and he's the last guy to do it while wearing an Oilers uniform, though he didn't score all 50 of his goals with Edmonton that season in 87-88. Craig Simpson will check in for his memories of hitting 50 after the 630 News. And Derek Ryan, former U of A Golden Bear, now enjoying a great season with the Calgary flames you will hear from him as well all ahead on inside sports so the columbus blue jackets looking to clinch a playoff spot tonight but they trail the new york rangers one nothing late in the second period Montreal hoping for a Rangers victory so they stay alive. Both Columbus and Montreal play tomorrow. Stars and Blackhawks just getting underway. Dallas with a win would clinch the first wild card spot in the Western Conference. That would mean Colorado and Calgary in the first round. Kings and Ducks the late game tonight. Last game of the season for the Ducks. They are the only team not playing tomorrow. Blue Jays in a 2-2 tie with Cleveland. That is top six. And basketball tonight, four minutes left in the third quarter. Raptors leading the Hornets 80-77. I mentioned a couple of WHL games getting going, one of them a later one, but we'll keep you updated when Saskatoon and PA get underway. Oil Kings play tomorrow at 7, Sunday at 5 at Rogers Place against the Hitman. AJHL playoffs tonight, a couple of games, the two conference final games starting in about half an hour. So a lot to follow. It is a fun time of year. And this portion of Inside Sports is presented by Northern Chicken Enjoy a cold craft beer or a great glass of bourbon with modern soul food and other tasty treats at Northern Chicken 10704 124th Street. Some guests on the show getting gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Okay. 
We will be following Leon Dreisaitl tomorrow. We have the Oilers game for you. Can he get to 50? Now, the last Oiler to score 50 goals in a season with all those goals being as an Edmonton Oiler was Wayne Gretzky. But the last player to score his 50th goal of the season as an Oiler was Craig Simpson. And he split that season between two teams, and he's got the tale of that now. Craig, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. Thanks for having me on. It is uh, awesome to have you on the show, and we we have obviously Leon Dreisaitl chasing the individual milestone of 50 goals. You've been there. Now, you hit 49 a lot sooner in the season than, than Leon did, and you got your 50th in Game 71, I, I believe after not scoring for a couple of games. What do you remember about the ramp up to 50, the pursuit, and, and I guess finally the anticipation? Well, when you when you asked me to do this, I had to do a little revisionist and look back and see exactly how it went. Uh, my memory is pretty good, and you remember specific things, but, you know, the season is always full of a little few ups and downs, and You've seen Leon in his year this year, you know, go on strings where you're red hot and the puck goes in all the time. And for me, it was a unique one being traded. Uh, You know, I had 13 goals in my first 21 games in Pittsburgh and got off to a really good start. And when I came to Edmonton, I was worried, okay, you're coming from a non-playoff team to the three-time Stanley Cup champs in the last four years. Where are you going to play? And I got fortunate that, Glenn Saylor said to me day one, you're going to play on the left side with Messier and Anderson. And I was like, okay, the opportunity's still there. So, you know, you, you remember little strings. And I, I had 16 goals in my first 21 games with Edmonton and felt pretty confident, pretty good. You know, you're on a, a 50-goal pace at that point. Uh, but then I went four goals in the next 14. And I've always said, Reed, you, you got to try to minimize those slumps. I went uh, goalless in four games and then another goalless in five. And now all of a sudden you're just 33 goals in 56 and, you know, you're not quite sure where you're going. But, you know, the last little stretch just got red hot. And there are times in the season where you just go into every night and think you're going to score. And over the next 12 games, uh, I looked back and had 16 goals in the next 12 games. I had seven two-goal games. And uh, you mentioned 49 uh goals in 68 games and I I remember I had three straight two goal games I think got uh, one at home against uh, Pittsburgh I believe went into Calgary and got two and then we were in Winnipeg and I'll never forget scored two quick goals with our normal line uh, in early in the game so all of a sudden you're you know you're at 49 goals and you know you have a lot of time left but I'm thinking geez I might even do it tonight and in the third period, I had a two-on-one with Gretz, and uh, we're both on our offsides, and I was open up for a one-timer, and I'm thinking in my mind, going, oh, my God, I'm going to score my 50th goal here, and uh, uh, the defenseman played it really well, and we were getting closer and closer to the net, and I finally bailed on the one-timer and turned my stick over to the backhand, trying to go behind the D, and you know, wouldn't you expect to read the uh, Gretz feathered one through the guy's legs and I ended up botching up that two on one. So yeah, <laughs> I sat on it, sat on it for another two games. And, uh, I remember it, it felt like it was about, uh, five games, but it was actually only two. And, 
Uh, finally got that 50th goal at home against uh, Buffalo late in the third period. And, uh, you know, it just was such a relief and something that presses on you a little bit. But it came up pretty quickly because, you know, I just went on a, a streak where you just felt like you were going to score every night. Now, were your teammates trying to set you up, perhaps even overfeeding you? I mean, last night we saw a lot of guys, not yeah. just McDavid, looking for Leon, and he had 12 shot attempts, seven shots on goal, five others <laughs> yeah. that were blocked or went wide. That's that's a good week for some players. <laughs> well, I, I think in that case it was, you know, a real sense of urgency because you're at, you know, game 81 with only 82 to go. So uh, I, I've seen in the last while, you know, Connor's looking for him at every turn. Guys are putting their head up and understanding the importance uh, for Leon to get to that point. So, yeah, I, I think when I got on that string of, you know, couple of goals every night, I, I think without question, you know, uh, both my centerman and my uh, my right winger in Mess and, and Anderson had scored 50 goals in their career. So they, they knew the importance. They knew it was close. And there's no question that they were looking for you at every turn. Once you got hot and once you got into the high 40s, uh, I, I think that's what every you know centerman or teammate will do. If you're on the ice and you got the guy, uh, look out for Saturday night for Leon because you, you got to be looking for him every turn. And you know the importance. Uh, you know it, It's a team game, but the individual at this point it's really important, especially when you get so close at 49. And I'm sure what Leon's thinking, I remember watching the last, even the last 10 to 12 games for Leon, you know, if he doesn't get the 50, it'll drive him nuts because he had so many good chances. He even, you know, had a great shot, that quick wrister that he had, that Dell made a great save last night was a really well-executed play by him that might go in eight out of ten times, and, you know, it didn't. So uh, I, I think there's no question with the amount of chances that he gets on a nightly basis, and you know that his centerman is going to be uh, geared up to make sure he gives him every opportunity to get 50. I, I can't imagine a scenario that he doesn't get it on Saturday. Okay, and, and last one quickly. Uh, is there a story about the puck for your 50th? Do you remember who got it for you? Do you still have it somewhere? Uh, you know what? The puck is in that the Euler wall there. Glenn Sather ended up getting it. Uh, I don't remember. I, I remember somebody grabbed it out of the uh, the net, but you know, it didn't really think of a big significance in that way. But uh, it's on that wall, if you know, in the Euler Hall of Fame down there, that there was a bunch of pucks that Glenn Sather had in his uh, garage up in Banff, and my 50th ended up being one of them. So I, I never really even got it. The uh, the stick I never kept. It went into the Hockey Hall of Fame, and I think actually now it's in the Euler Hall of Fame right now. But the, the memory is the one thing. You know, it was a, a neat moment and one that you dream of as a kid, individually anyways, of trying to get there, and it's something I'll always cherish. Awesome stuff. Craig, thanks for making time for us tonight. Enjoy your weekend. All right, Reed. Take care. Craig Simpson, good stuff there. Memories of getting to 50 as a member of the Edmonton Oilers in 87-88. Got his 50th against uh, Buffalo on March 15th, 1988 in the third period. Messier and Anderson had the assists. You can text 63630. Our open line number is 780-496-0063. Colton from Lac La Biche. Writing in, he says, uh, hey, Reed, have you been able to watch the Netflix movie The Dirt yet? If so, what did you think of it? 
Were you working last week when we were talking about the dirt, Patrick? I was not, no. I guess Kellen was still here. By, by the way, Kellen's now in New York, is he not? Getting yeah, he ready went to for, WrestleMania. For WrestleFest? Yeah. Is it on Wrestle, Sunday? WrestleFest? Yeah, that would be awesome. I'm, I'm a little bit jealous. I've never been to New York, but I bet he's living it up. Uh, well, New York's uh, great. I've been able to go a couple of times. But nice. Kellen is, uh, I, I, I can't remember. I always, I everything I ask him about wrestling, I, I immediately forget. But I know he's over and he's at listening. Le- it's at least the second WrestleMania he's, he's going to. Well, he was in Phoenix not long ago, too, wasn't he? Uh, he went to Royal Rumble. I, I don't know wrestling. Is that the same? They're they're different events. It's men men in their men in tights though, right? And not the Mel Brooks <laughs> and movie. not the Robin Hood movie. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, the, the dirt. dirt. <laughs> Off topic topic yes. here. Uh, I have not seen the dirt yet. Neither have I. Uh, my uh, my movie and book consumption generally increases once the order season is over. Yeah, so you're approaching that. So now. I expect that to. Uh, I'll have to try to watch the dirt at some point this summer. Motley Crew. In the uh, in the summer, I will read anywhere from probably three to six books a month, depending on the thickness of the book. I have been reading the James Bond book, Goldfinger, by Ian Fleming, for mm-hmm. about the last five weeks. <laughs> Dedicated so, reader. Well, I'm just slowly, slowly working through it, but, but I will get there. I get through about three or four Mr. Mugs a day, so. Nothing like Mugsy. <laughs> we had a uh, gentleman write in last week, actually earlier this week, and this was uh, his text. He said, don't worry, Reed. All of you Edmonton sports fans can watch the Stampeders roll all season while the Eskimos flirt with mediocrity, much like the Flames and the Oilers. And I referred to that as a troll text at the time, Patrick. I think you were working that show. So this person actually wrote back today and said, "Uh, Reed, I'm not a troll like you referred to me as, but do you actually think Harris is going to come to the Eskimos and be able to hang with the better West division? It's quite obvious that the West has four of the top five teams in the league. To be honest, it's probably all five. Uh, The West is very strong. I think it's going to be fun watching that division this year. Yes, I think Trevor Harris can, can hang in the West division. I think he's a pretty good quarterback. I think the biggest improvements for the Eskimos will likely be on the defensive side of the ball, both in terms of the linebackers they added and the defensive coordinator, Philip Lawley. I guess my question back to that person is, um, do you actually think the Stampeders are going to be good into eternity? And am I going to hear from you on the text line when they're not? That would be snap. my counter question back to you. Oh, snap, Reed. <laughs> Derek Ryan, this texture's going to love this. Derek Ryan from the Calgary Flames when we get back. Nuge and the Oilers going up the fl- going up against the Flames and this man in the final game of the season for Edmonton tomorrow night. Please welcome back to Inside Sports from the Flames, Derek Ryan. Derek, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Reed. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. It's great to talk to you. Thanks for making time for us here before the regular season finale. The Oilers and Flames coming up tomorrow night. Derek, the, the big story here in Edmonton is Leon Dreisaitl and his pursuit of 50. Uh, I don't know how much of a story it is in in the world of the Calgary Flames, but uh, I imagine preventing his 50th this is is something that you and your teammates will be looking to do tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I mean, we haven't talked about that too much. Obviously, that's a big milestone for him. He's a great player. 
Um, if he was playing any other team, I'd hope the best for him. But obviously we're preparing for what we hope to be a long playoff run here in the spring and summer. So um, whatever we need to do to learn to shut down a team's top guys like Leon or Connor, um, we need to work on that. And um, so it's a big game for us in preparation of the first round. Derek, obviously the, the Battle of Alberta is is one that is celebrated. Unfortunately, we haven't seen one in the playoffs for a while, but a, a couple of spirited games between you guys and the Oilers this season. Uh, obviously, uh, your teammate Matthew Kachuk was able to stir some things up during an earlier meeting. I, I know this is your first experience with it, but what has has been like for you being on the Calgary side of the Battle of Alberta? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, brings a lot of emotions. That rivalry does um, makes the game a little more heated and interesting. Obviously, the fans are pretty into it. Uh, the environment, the atmosphere is very vibrant. Um, makes for a fun hockey atmosphere. So that's been enjoyable. It's fun to partake in that. And um, you know, I've kind of been secretly hoping over the past weeks that this game wouldn't mean anything. That we could have some things solidified and that happens to be the case so I'm happy about that but at the same time it's nice to have that rivalry um, to bring the energy into the building no matter what one of the uh, big plays this year and, and, and I got to ask you about it because it was an incredible save you had a breakaway and you had Miko Koskinen down and out at Rogers Place a couple of months ago and uh, he made one of his best saves of the season uh, what do you remember about that one were your, were your arms halfway up to celebrate the goal yeah, I thought I had him there for sure. Um, obviously, things happen on fast on the ice, and um, hard to remember everything. But uh, I think I picked off a pass coming into on the PK, coming into the zone, and um, made a move to my backhand, back to my forehand. I thought I had the empty net. Um, probably should have bared down a little bit more and put it in the air. But uh, I thought I had it. He made a, a nice. I don't know, was it a reaching glove save on the ice and kind of robbed me there? So, yeah, I definitely remember that one. Derek Ryan from the Calgary Flames joining us on Inside Sports. Derek, you have matched your career high in points from last season with 38, so you do have a chance to top that tomorrow night. And uh, I know... You know, a lot of people don't play pay as much attention to plus minus as they used to. But I have to point out, I think it's pretty significant. You've gone from minus 15 with the Canes last year to plus 21 with the Calgary Flames. Um, you know, just how do you sum up your uh, your season as a whole? I know a lot of people watching you play consider it a, a very strong season. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I feel the same. I feel like um, I've been given a significantly different role here in Calgary than I had in Carolina. Um, A lot more third-line minutes in Carolina, a lot more offensive zone starts, um, offensive opportunity, playing with um, Jeff Skinner, uh, Lee Stempniak, and players like that throughout the the majority of last season, whereas this season I've been more of a fourth-line guy kind of fill in in the top six when needed but for the most part fourth line um, some power play time but majority penalty kill and so the fact that I've been able to go on a bit of a run here lately with points and match my um, career high from last year I think that's that speaks a lot in terms of the role I was given here and still being able to produce offensively that's been um, a high note for myself and 
Yeah, plus minus is kind of a debated stat. I don't know how much you can read into that. It's a lot different when you're on a winning team compared to a, a losing or a bubble team. So, um, but it's it's nice to have some um, recognition defensively that I've you know produced offensively, but then very responsible defensively, and I think that's that's what that stat does. You know, I, I want to get your perspective on on a, a topic here because you guys are the number one seed in the Western Conference. You're incredibly deep up front and on defense. Giordano might win the Norris Trophy, but goaltending is the most important position on the ice. And, you know, I hear a lot of hockey people saying, well, until David Riddick does it in the playoffs, we're not going to give him the edge over Martin Jones or Marc-Andre Fleury. But you're out there with these guys and practicing with them every day. You're Riddick and Smith. How do you view your team's goaltending? What would you say to critics of that position? Well, I think that our position with the Flames is pretty unique in that we have two guys that can get the job done. Uh, it seems to have gone this year where um, if one guy's not playing his best and the other guy is, or vice versa. So one guy seems to be stepping up and and taking the load and then when one guy the other guy falls the other guy picks him up so i think we have the unique position where if if one guy's struggling a little bit um then maybe the other guy will step in and then carry the load for a while so i think that's uh, a strong suit i think that's a positive for sure and um i think both riddick and smith are capable of of carrying us through the playoffs and to where we need to go and want to go so um i'm not too worried about that i have confidence in both of those guys i i shoot on them every day and they're both great goaltenders and i think they're both capable all right i want to throw a couple other ones at you here you uh, of of course are uh, well celebrated as a former u of a golden bear were you able to follow their journey through nationals in lethbridge this year watch any of the games i know you're busy and traveling a lot being an nhl player couldn't quite get it done in the final against another power unb but uh, uh how much attention were you were you, were you paying to the golden bears this season yeah you know um i'm getting pretty old now so i don't know any of the guys that are playing for the bears so i don't follow it too closely during the regular season, but I definitely start to follow it more in the playoffs, in the Canada West playoffs, and then into into the national tournament. I followed it pretty closely. Definitely watched the scores, and I think we were on the road at one point. Um, it might have been the final, or it might have been the semifinal, and um, I watched a little bit of the game and got to catch a little bit of the action. So, uh, yeah, obviously, um, really fun to watch them have some success uh win the canada west and make it all the way to the national final it's a one game thing so anything can happen uh, i know they lost their their stud in luke philp in the i think it was the first period of the national final so that hurts hurts their chances but um another great season from a, a great program that i'm proud to come from and it's nice to see the winning tradition live on there okay and my last one you, you played in carolina uh, well, the last two full seasons and, and a little bit the year before that. I know you still know guys on that team and you're in that market. Dare I ask, what do you think of the storm surge, which I know they said they're not going to do into the playoffs, but the uh, unique celebrations with the fans uh, after wins. Uh, I mean, you play there, you, you played there, you know some of those guys. Just, just what do you think of that as an NHL player and someone who was a hurricane in, in a market where, let's face it, you know, hockey's maybe lower down on the interest level than it is in Canada? 
Well, yeah, I think that's you hit it on the head there where the players, um, Willie, Justin Williams in particular, is probably looking for a way to engage the fans a little bit, get them more interested. Um, I'm not sure what the exact number on number of seasons they've missed the playoffs, nine, something like that before this year. So just giving the uh, fans a reason to be excited about the team, be happy, um, stick around after a win, which they they did a lot, especially at home this year. So um, I don't think it's something that will happen in many markets in professional sports, but I think it fits in that particular one in Raleigh and the triangle there. It's a fan base that um, can get behind their players, especially when they're winning and having fun. And and I think it might have uh, injected some energy into that building and that city and uh, that area. So, um, yeah, it is what it is. Okay. Well, Derek, we appreciate you making time for us. Uh, All the best here as you roll into the playoffs. It's always great to have you on Inside Sportsman. Take care. Okay, thanks, Reed. That is good to catch up with Derek Ryan of the Calgary Flames. Uh, You know, he's a great story. Went to the U of A, played in Austria, played in Sweden, got the contract with Carolina. Bill Peters coaching there, his old junior coach from Spokane. Bill Peters goes to Calgary. Derek Ryan follows him as a free agent. And you talk about that depth on Calgary. Well, Derek Ryan is one of those depth players. Hey, Battle of Alberta, junior style. We'll preview the Oil Kings and Hitman in the next hour of the show. And an in-studio visit from Eskimos defensive lineman Elmondo Sewell. All ahead. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.